thought I would share with you a verse of scripture that really became my theme verse from the first day I was in the hospital, October 31st, at Cox South. And that's found in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And it's a very familiar passage of scripture. We're even going to sing it at the end of the service today. And I pray that it becomes part and parcel of your heart and mind through the week to realize that we can have hope in the most challenging, the most anxiety-ridden times. I think we as a church and as a country, and even as a world, <laughs> have ever experienced, at least in modern times. But if you would, please stand with me as we read the Word of God, and let's turn to Isaiah chapter 40, beginning at verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Hope. We can go throughout the scriptures and we can find this word whether it's in Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek, and we can draw from it tremendous sense of assurance and peace. Hope is who God is. Jesus said himself in Matthew 28, 20, he said, surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. These are his words to us. These are his words of assurance, his words of hope to us each and every moment of our lives. We can look to him for hope because of who he is and what he has accomplished for us out of his love. All in life and ministry was going well for us until I began to feel the last week of October some aches in my body. And then I lost my sense of taste and smell. And I thought for sure once that happened, I thought, I believe I have COVID because that is one of the telltale signs that you have COVID is that you lose your taste and smell from a cup of coffee I had in the morning and going to the office and drinking water to when I came home for lunch and made a sandwich and not could taste it, within that period of time, I lost my taste and smell. And that was the sure sign to me that I was, had COVID in my body. So I went, I was tested, and my suspicions were confirmed. I tested positive for COVID. And you know, we're practicing all the guidelines. We're doing all the things that the CDC says we're supposed to be doing. And this church has been an example of how to do that at a public setting. All of you are wearing masks. If you're not in family, you're sitting six feet apart. And we are doing all the right things. But even when we do the right things in life, things go wrong. <laughs> things don't go as we planned. You see, I caught COVID. And some of you watching and some of you here have caught COVID as well. And you probably know someone who has this nefarious disease, this virus that's infected the planet. You see, many times when we do the right things, the opposite of our plans then take place. But the scriptures forewarn us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, that it rains on the just and the unjust. Because we live in a fallen world, we also, as we're living for God, as we're praying, as we're seeking his face, as we're fellowshipping with one another, as we're engaging this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, it really doesn't matter because we're all in the midst of a fallen world and things happen to us that because we live in a fallen world just happen to everyone 
even if we're following Jesus. But the difference is, and my wife said it to me this morning, can you imagine going through this and not having Jesus? Can you imagine going through this and not having a God to put hope and trust in? I can't imagine what that would be like. And I don't think any of you can either. But perhaps some are here, perhaps some are watching that would think, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't have a relationship with God. And I'm scared out of my mind. I don't have the assurance of eternal life. I don't know for certain that I'm going to heaven if I were to die. And believe me, when you're in the hospital with COVID, you begin thinking about, am I going to die? Death becomes a reality even before you're supposed to die, at least on the age scale. We are affected and infected because of our first parents' sin in the Garden of Eden. Hope is rooted in the acceptance of our reality in the present moment because of who Jesus Christ is to us. This clay we are finds hope in our triune God who makes us his children and part of the body of Christ. Our earliest awareness of God takes us to his creation narrative where he saw that it wasn't good for man to be alone. So he made the first helpmeet. And consequently, the rest of us as helpers who are fit for one another as the body of Christ that builds each other up in love. We find our hope in God because of who he is. We experience hope through him and through this body, his body, the body of Christ. That's you, that's me, that's all of us that are watching. That's the global body of Christ. We experience this and we strive to love one another as he has loved us. And in the midst of this hope, this dynamic of loving one another is so absolutely vital. As a matter of fact, the whole world, Jesus said, is going to know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. That's a tremendous corporate testimony that we are responsible to be a part of. I love you. <laughs> you love me. We love one another. Jesus doesn't end it with us loving him but to love his body that he died for and rose from the grave. Well, my journey began in an ambulance. And to be honest, never in my life have I ever ridden in an ambulance before. I will tell you this, if you haven't, it is one of the most uncomfortable rides I've ever had. I mean, there must be no shocks in those things whatsoever because you feel every bump. And so by the end of the week, uh, my oxygen levels began to dip into the mid to low 80s, and that's serious. And so my primary care physician, Dr. Bill Graham, said I needed to go to the emergency room, so I called an ambulance. Uh, Dr. Bill Graham's a friend. He's a guy that on Fridays I go to breakfast with. He's also a former missionary. And I want to say to this point of the body of Christ, it was 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning when I got a phone call from my primary care doctor and he asked me how I was doing. Talk about being led by the Holy Spirit and not only being an excellent physician, but I thought to myself, this is amazing. <laughs> he doesn't even know I'm awake sitting here in my chair 
taking my oxygen levels, and it's this low. And so I told him, and that's when he told me to go to the hospital. You see, the Holy Spirit led him. And the hope that we have as the people of God is that hope is found in knowing that God is impressing other people to have our back. And that we are responsible as God's people to have one another's backs. That's what is so wonderful to be a part of a family like this, because we are corporately together. Hope is knowing not only Emmanuel, God with us, but that his people are also with us as well. We're with one another. We're behind these families that have lost their husbands, and we are going to be there for them like Jesus is there for them now. We have their backs as well. What a glorious hope that we are not alone. Before I went into the ambulance, though, I embraced my wife, Linda, in our living room. And I thought to myself, is this the last time I'm ever going to hug my wife? I've never really had that thought before, except for one time. And that's when I got our plane at O'Hare Airport to fly back to Pakistan because our home church had been bombed by Al-Qaeda terrorists. And I went back to minister to the people in our congregation where four were killed and 85 were wounded by that terrorist attack. I thought to myself, there's a chance I won't come back. But that's okay. But this time, I actually felt more of an apprehension that I would not come back than I did to go into a terrorist situation and deal with that congregation through member care. And so I did come back, and it was the hope that I would embrace my wife in the future, that as I got into that ambulance, that strengthened me and that built me up. Yes, I will come back. I believe that I will. I believe that God is not yet done with us together. And so my, I began my two-week staycation at Cox South Hospital. The ambulance ride passed by all the familiar sites, going down NNCC to 65, onto that ramp that goes by James River Church, and then on to 60, and then to National up there. I knew it all so well looking out the back of that ambulance, and I thought, I wonder if I'll ever drive these roads again. I'm getting a perspective looking backwards that I never have driving to the office looking forwards, so it was a unique view to have. But during that ride in the ambulance, and the ambulance attendant made this chit-chat, which was really awkward, I just kept praying in my heart and my mind, 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. And if you're feeling anxiety this morning, whether you're here, whether you're watching, understand, as Peter says to us, who was with Jesus, who saw Jesus and experienced him in real time and place, he said, cast all your anxiety on Jesus because Jesus cares for you. Let that become a mantra. Let that become that which you pray, which you say when you feel a tinge of anxiety or you're speaking to someone that's experienced anxiety through these particular days that we have before us. Say to them, this prayer, cast all of your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. And so that's what I did. I got to the ER and the ER is a world where you become priority. And a flurry of activity begins to take place. And people are there to take care of you. And I have such a respect and a thankfulness for the health care that we have in this country. I praise God for what we have. It's not perfect, but none is. 
So there was hope even in the masked faces of those in the emergency room. I thank God for a healthcare system that is readily available and competent to address physical needs. And from that examination and those x-rays that I had there in the emergency room, off I went to the COVID isolation of the hospital. But during that time, my father was in crisis. My father had COVID and he was hunkering down in his home, but he ended up having a stroke. The neurologist informed Linda that the stroke he had had nothing to do with COVID, that he would have had the stroke had he not had COVID. Some of you know that he had a minor stroke about four years ago and survived that. As a matter of fact, it's not that I don't know how to bring my colors together, but this is a tie that I'm wearing in honor of my father. Uh, my father was a pilot. He learned to fly during the Korean War, but he was a medic. And he learned to fly in a J-3 Cub. And for some of you that are pilots out there, this is a, a tie given to me by somebody in a church in Pennsylvania. When they found out my father learned how to fly in a Piper J-3 Cub, this deacon takes off his tie and gives it to me and says, I want your father to have this. And so I'm just wearing this in honor of him today. But he ended up having a stroke and Linda went down to the house and ministered to him. You see, my father did not know the Lord. Uh, he lived his whole life as an excellent husband and father. Could not have had a better example of a man and, as, and of a provider than my dad. When he was wrong, he would say he was sorry. He never held back what he felt would, would be the just thing to say and to do. But yet he never knew the Lord. And so I kept witnessing to him. I witnessed to my father throughout my life. And I even felt led by the Lord to witness to him on the very first day that I was in the hospital. And I called him and I said, Dad, I said, this is serious. I said, I want to share with you the gospel. I want to share you the good news about Jesus. And I felt led to talk to him about the thief on the cross. And I said, Dad, you know, the thief on the cross, he didn't go to catechism because my dad was from a Catholic background. I said, he didn't go to church. He wasn't baptized in water. He wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit. He just hung next to Jesus. He just hung with Jesus. And he said to him, I believe that you are the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. I shared that with my dad on Sunday. And on Wednesday, he had a stroke. Linda called, could not reach him. She went down there. She found him in his master bathroom. She got on the floor and cradled my father's head in her lap. And I called my neighbor Earl, who was a wonderful neighbor, beautiful Roman Catholic brother in Christ. And Earl came down to be with Linda and to be with my father. And as she sat there waiting for the ambulance to come, she called me back. And so I said, Dad, now is the time now is the time to believe on Jesus Christ. Now is the time to receive him into your life. Just believe and embrace him. And you'll have eternal life. You'll see mom again. You'll see all these family members again. Just embrace Jesus. He will take away the fear and the anxiety that you may be feeling right now. And so I prayed with him. And so I believe that there's this assurance and hope within that he accepted Jesus as his Savior and Lord. As a matter of fact, the next morning, after he had the stroke, at 2 o'clock in the morning, the Lord woke me up 
And the presence of God was in that hospital room. <clears throat> and I just felt God so heavy in a good way <clears throat> in that room that I just began worshiping the Lord. I just began praising the Lord. I began praying in the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit <clears throat> gave utterance. And then I began to think about this song that as a pastor in Chicago, I'd heard at many funerals, many Catholic funerals that I was even a part of, invited to be part of by priests. And this song, uh, Eagle's Wings, kept going over and over in my mind. And part of the lyrics is based on Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And it says, You who dwell in the shelter of the Lord, who abide in the shadow for life, say to the Lord, my refuge, my rock, in whom I trust, and he will lift you up on eagle's wings, bear you on the breath of dawn, make you shine like the sun, and hold you in the palm of his hand. I sent that link to my daughter, Kara, and I said, I want you to play this for my dad because, <laughs> ironically, my father was literally one floor above me in the same wing in the COVID isolation comfort care ward because his stroke was so massive there was nothing they could do. They took him off the ventilator. And this is what he wanted in his DNR, his do not resuscitate. So we honored his wishes and we just waited for him to pass into heaven. But to know that he was one floor above me in one ways was a comfort, but yet at the same time, I couldn't hug my dad. <clears throat> I couldn't be near him. I couldn't talk to him face to face like we did. He was at our house nearly five nights out of the week having supper with us because he just lived down the street and he did that often after my mom passed. So in that dark morning in my hospital room, the assurance of hope filled my soul that after 50 years of praying for my father's salvation, that he had embraced Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord. Hope, hope, hope. That is what we have to hang on to because that hope is in a person. It's in a work, and his name is Jesus. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Let's not let Jesus be a bully. He desires that none should perish, but all have eternal life, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. He eternally loves us. He eternally desires our fellowship. He eternally draws us into himself. And so two days later, my father died one floor above me at Cox Hospital. As I said, I never got to see him, talk to him in person, hug him one last time. Yet through the lament of loss, I have hope. And I've said these words many times at a graveside. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Let me tell you something. Death has no sting. The grave has no victory. Jesus has conquered both. And we can have hope, like Lee and Merrill are rejoicing in the hope that they have at this moment in eternity. We can't even see this day in eternity because there are no days in eternity. There's just eternity. And we have that hope as well. And so today I live in the assurance because of hope that I will see my mother and father one day. Life pushes us hard into COVID isolation. It's a world of plastic, of large masks, shields, rubber gloves, no human touch whatsoever. 
The only thing you see of somebody that's trying to take care of you in COVID isolation is their eyes. And the eyes are the window of the soul. <clears throat> I have to say that the nursing care I experienced at Cox Hospital, and maybe they'll pay me for this, for this little advertisement right now. Put a little bit towards that hospital bill. Was the most fantastic care I've ever experienced. I've been a pastor and a missionary a long time. But I have never seen compassion incarnate like in those nurses. How they cared for my roommates, many of them totally incapacitated, soiled themselves one guy three times in one night. Those nurses came in, not an oh no, not this again, not one complaint. They just loved this guy with their words, with their tone of voice, with their actions, and cleaned him head to toe three times in one night between midnight and three o'clock in the morning. Compassion incarnate. Compassion like that <clears throat> brings hope to us. It is all, it's an example of hope. It's an incarnation of hope. The same is true for all of us that are here, the people sitting next to you, our neighbors and our communities, those we engage in a passing matter, whether it's the Battlefield Mall <clears throat> or it's the square downtown, a Wendy's drive-through, people are looking for compassion. And when they see that compassion through us, they experience in our tone, in our words, in our look, in our eyes, if we have a mask on, that communicates hope to them. It communicates somebody cares. And right now, people are needing to be cared for more than at any other time. We may feel like we need care, and yes, we do. But that's where this reciprocal relationship of caring for one another becomes truly incarnate. Compassion brings people hopes, and it prompts the thought, then the belief, someone cares for me. The kindness we demonstrate in our eyes, words, and action are both the great commandment. Love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And that becomes the precursor to the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we can't go out with the Great Commission unless we are first fulfilling the Great Commandment. God wants us to put skin on his gospel. And like he came and pitched his tent among us in John 1, so we as Christians, as little Christ's, we pitch our tent in the presence of people who need compassion every day. Cain asked God in Genesis chapter 4, verse 9, am I my brother's keeper? And I believe Cain asked a rhetorical question. But the fact of the resounding answer is simply this. Yes, God said to Cain, yes, you are your brother's keeper. And we are a keeper to one another as well. We are our sisters and brothers keeper. This is the great commandment, and this is the great commission. Here God communicates his eternal love to us in profound ways. Uh, let me just share with you an, a powerful experience that I had while I was in the hospital, and that is prayer. So let's go to that net of prayer. And when I was in the hospital, I never felt the literal impression of prayer like I did when I was in the hospital. And even since that time, since I've been in recovery at home. And like a net, 
weaves back and forth and is linked together. That is like the strands of the body of Christ coming together. That when we fall, that when we are tumbling down and falling and falling and falling, and we wonder if something is going to catch us, that net of prayer became such a reality for me. I can't tell you how many texts and phone calls I got from people in this church that said, we're praying, we're believing God with you. And that brought me such hope because that net of prayer is what is so vital to us as the body of Christ. You see, when you go through something like COVID isolation, psychologists are now finding out that there is a PTSD that comes along with it. There is an anxiety that comes along with it. And as my lungs continue to heal, so does my anxiety continue to heal. Night is very difficult for me, like it is for a lot of patients that have gone through COVID isolation. But with this net of prayer in mind, it gives me a tremendous sense of hope that helps me to overcome. And so that literal net of prayer bolstered me up and held me up. And I thank God for this body that came alongside to pray for me, to believe along with me. Pastor Dick's phone calls were a tremendous boost of faith and brought hope. But yet at the same time, as I realized that God was holding me up, that he then had a plan for me. And that plan was not merely to get out and to do what I do as a missionary or as a pastor, but that plan was also to do something that he wanted me to engage in while I was in the hospital as well, to bring hope to somebody else who needed hope the most desperately. And so I'd like to share with you a little story about a man that I had as one of my roommates, and his name is Troy McClure. Let's go to that slide. On Christmas Day, I received a phone call. And I am on the board of a Teen Challenge Hope Home here in Springfield, associated with Freedom City Church. And so I saw Hope Home Teen Challenge come up on my phone, so I answered it. Uh, my roommate, Troy, from COVID isolation at Cox Hospital, called me. Uh, we share recent history. In early November, Ozark police arrested Troy, and when he tested positive for COVID, they brought him to Cox South Hospital. He joined me in my room as my fellow patient, and he came to me, and he said that he had been in another room, and his roommate kept telling him, I just want to die. I just want to die. I just want to die. And eventually, Troy told me, he said, I eventually heard him breathe his last breath. It filled Troy with tremendous anxiety and fear. And he said, I've got to get out of this room. And so all of a sudden, I'm in my room, I'm by myself. I want to be by myself. I don't want anybody with me. All of a sudden, here comes this guy. And because of the protocols, they had the sheet over his head. Well, in our culture, what does that say? Are they bringing a dead guy in the room to be my roommate? But that was the protocol, and so he brought it down, and so we began to have a conversation with one another. Troy told me later on, he said, when they rolled him into my room, that he felt life and peace, having left a place of darkness and death. Troy went on to say that he felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. I thought to myself, wow, I'm really a hypocrite because I didn't want a roommate. I didn't want you here. So what you felt had to be God, it certainly was not me because I had no feelings like that whatsoever. 
See, during that time, my oxygen levels were dropping from COVID pneumonia, and breathing and talking was increasingly difficult. They were the worst days of my hospital state when they brought Troy into my room. The next step for me, being on 15 liters of oxygen, was to go to the tower where they wear, they call them bunny suits. This is what the nurses call them, the bunny suits with the tubes in the back and all of that. That was my next step because I could get no more oxygen than I was getting in that room. And so that was how I met Troy. You see, the police in the hospital also placed a, a camera on a pole in the room because he was a, a criminal, a convicted criminal. They had a camera on him to watch his movements and to watch his behaviors as well. And so with all of that, I began talking to him. And as we spoke, I sensed God was dealing with his heart. Troy wanted to end his drug addiction and his series of poor life choices. I began to talk to him about Christ would transform his life. He opened up and he began to weep. I told Troy he needed to get into Teen Challenge. Troy asked if I could help him do that. I said, yes, I can. And so I called Pastor John Allered of Freedom City Church and Director of Hope Homes here in Springfield on the north side. And so John spoke to Troy from our mutual COVID isolation. Troy wept more. He was broken. And COVID isolation broken. Troy's new life in Jesus began. Two days after he met, the Ozark police came and took Troy to Christian County Jail after he tested negative for COVID. And so he spent the last couple months in Christian County Jail serving a sentence. He didn't want to post bail. He said, I want to get what I deserve. And he got into a Bible study there. But then when he got out, he said, I'm ready to go to Teen Challenge. And so I called Troy, I called John Allered, and John got him in immediately. And so on Christmas Day, Troy calls me full of hope, peace, joy, and contentment to the transformation in his life that only Jesus Christ can bring. He told me how on that Christmas day just past, how he spoke to his estranged father and they reconciled and brought their relationship together. Now that's wonderful because I just lost my father. It's wonderful now that you can be back in relationship <clears throat> with your father as well. And so I said, hey man, I haven't seen you in a while. Send me a picture of you. And so one of the guys at Teen Challenge took this picture here. God, our ever-present help in trouble. So whether we're laying in the hospital with COVID or whether we've been brought in having COVID and we have a criminal record, God instills hope within us because he is an issuer of hope to all who will call out upon his name. And I thought, this really is a Merry Christmas because this is what Christmas is really all about, the redemption of humankind and it says it most, even in a life like Troy's. So please pray for Troy. He'd be facing misleading temptations and accusations from the enemy, from Satan and his demonic host. But Troy will not ever experience one temptation that in Christ he will not be able to bear. Because as 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. I'm going to conclude this morning with a quote from a friend that many of you know, Dr. Jim Edwards. Uh, Dr. Jim Edwards placed this on his Facebook page. And for all of us here today, no matter what our age, if we are soaring in youth like wings of eagles, if we are running and not growing weary in middle age, or if we're walking and not fainting as we're getting older, God has a place for all of us to be a conduit of hope to others. 
So this is what Dr. Edwards writes. He'll always be Dr. Edwards because he was my English professor at Evangel. We hear sermons from Bible College Church, Wheaton, Park Street Church in Boston, Petrie Presbyterian in Atlanta most Sunday mornings. The Park Street sermon yesterday involved Isaiah 40, which ends, and this is the uh, CEB translation. It says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will fly up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be tired. They will walk and not be weary. Again, going on quoting Dr. Edwards, because I have literary training, I was able to notice that Isaiah outlines a life's journey here. Young age can fly. Middle age can run. Old age can only walk. The prophet's suggestion just in this purposeful organization of images, flying like eagles, running and walking, is to make certain the reader knows that hope in the Lord is lifelong. Hope in the Lord is lifelong. The believer doesn't need to worry that he will lose his connection with his Savior because of sins, as some falsely teach. 2020 and even early 2021, the challenges of life show us that no matter what age we may be, living in a followed world affects our lives. It does. But in the midst of that affecting our lives, as he said at the very beginning of this message, you and I are God's pipeline of hope. We are Christians. We are little Christs. We are people who Christ connects us with, and we are to also be givers of hope. And so this morning, as Paul comes, and as we bring this time together to to a conclusion, I want to ask you something. Yes, we all want hope. Yes, we want all of our anxieties to go away. But at the same time, we're called to be people who manifest and give hope to others. And as we enter into this new year prayerfully, and we are going to be having our prayer meeting tonight, I'm on the prayer team here at the church. I'm always getting prayer requests from people through the week to pray for people. And that is a means of giving hope. I think this new year, we need to begin on a real positive note. And that is being willing to be givers of hope to others. Not just that we would mount up on wings of eagles and have hope. Run and not be weary, walk and not faint. But we would also be a people who make it a point to be the gospel with skin on. To be the incarnational hope that everyone we meet, whether it's in our family or at a Wendy's drive-thru, sense hope flowing through us. That we truly become the salt and the light of Jesus Christ throughout this new year and in the years to come. And so, let me just say to you, if you are willing to become incarnational hope, I want you just to stand to your feet right now. I'm going to pray for you. Just stand to your feet. Yes, I am willing to be that incarnational hope. I'm willing to be a giver of hope, to be one who manifests hope to others. Thank you. God is pleased. This is God's word, and God's word is always God's will. And so I'm going to pray for you. Father, thank you for these women and men this morning who have made it clear to you and to one another that they are going to be dispensers of hope. We can hope in you, Lord. We need not be afraid. We need not fear because of what your word says to us, because you are with us to the very ends of the age. And so, Lord, as we sing this song, let this be our prayer to you, 
And let this be a reminder of what we are called to be and called to do as well. In Jesus' strong and mighty name, amen.